Hi everyone, I'm Carla. And I'm Iman. And you're listening to Screensaver Podcast. Yeah, episode one. Last week, we rolled out episode zero, a screensaver sampler on Mad Max. If you haven't heard that yet and are interested, go back and listen to it. But today is what we're considering really the start of the official podcast. It's the first full episode. Yeah, so what does that mean? It means that we're going to touch on a main theme in the first however long that takes. And later, we'll have some segments that will hopefully be regular that you'll hear at the end of this episode. Just for a really quick, broad overview of what we're hoping to achieve with Screensaver. Screensaver is a pop culture podcast hosted by Carla and I, where we talk about TV, movies, books, sports on occasion, basically anything that we see on screen. Yeah, the things that we normally talk about off mic all all the time. Every day. Um, Yeah, so we look forward to rolling out more of these, and we'll be back with our thoughts on this season of Silicon Valley and nerd culture. All right, so we're back, and our first topic is Silicon Valley. Um, just a bit of history. Iman and I, a couple weeks ago, started um, talking about shows that we were going to watch now that Mad Men was over. Iman was going to take on The Americans, and I was going to take on Silicon Valley, a show that I had started about a year ago. I saw a few episodes and then kind of just stopped. And I picked it back up recently, and even though I said I wouldn't do this, I I just binged through the entire season and got Iman on board pretty quick, and we we got really excited about it. So, um, yeah, Iman, what do you think of this show? Um, um, I I mean, I love it. Uh, Let me just do some more plot talk. Um, Okay, so plot talk. Uh, As the name basically implies, this is a show about uh, a group of nerds in Silicon Valley that are trying to get, all of them are trying to get their apps launched um, as the season starts. One of the apps, hopefully this isn't giving too much away, but kind of takes off. And the first season is documenting that app's uh, success or travails. Um, It's... I think what we really love about it is that it's it's a character-driven show, but I think this first season is really interesting, and I mean, the second season, the season finale for season two is going to be on Sunday, but personally, I love the first season because it has that underdog vibe. Um, just really quickly, season two is good, and it's been really solid because it has the characters that we love or learn to love in season one. But I would definitely recommend for anyone interested in watching this, watch the first four episodes. And if you aren't in love with it by then, then okay, you have Yeah, you'll get a pretty good sense of what the characters are like and what they're about. And the direction of the directionality of the first season is pretty linear. There's this like start, middle, definitely. and end. And they're they're all driving toward that series finale. Yeah, and and season two, um, I think like a lot of shows, it's or like the 
what do they call it? The sophomore slump. It's not a sophomore slump by any means, but it does kind of feel like they're just knocking down a bunch of roadblocks because the path has gotten a little more wily. But it's a little more open-ended. Right. And we don't know how it's going to end, but that also makes it really exciting because by now you're pretty much all in with the characters and you, you're curious curious to see where it goes. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I think... um. When I we started watching, we didn't have that many friends that were into it. So I think as we're recording this, we're recording it more or less as selling it to all of you if you haven't been watching it. And if you have, um, we've had some thoughts while watching it. I know uh, we've also been listening to a podcast um, that's really great by Alex Bloomberg. And it's on its second season as well called Startup that... Yeah, if, any, wants to talk about if any of you listen to this podcast, I'd recommend listening to season two of Startup or maybe even season one and watching this show at the same time because the the overlap between the two is really interesting. Um, both of them are, are dealing with startups essentially and uh, I believe season two of Startup in particular takes place in Silicon Valley. It's tracking a uh, dating app run by or women. a service website run by women in Silicon Valley. Yeah, and I think that it actually works as a really cool compliment to Silicon Valley, which is very bro. Not bro, but it's, it's male. Uh, a lot of the humor is eight-year-old boy humor. Yeah, it's five guys, or how he, many are they? Uh, Gilfoyle, Richard, Ehrlich... Uh, oh gosh, I forgot. I, I yeah, forgot. Jared. Jared. <laughs> That's so Jared. <laughs> it's a joke in the show yeah. that they don't know his real name. Yep. Very um, Jerry Parks and Rec. Yeah, totally. But yeah, I mean, it's a handful of guys. Um, so Startup is a really cool compliment to that. But um, actually related to the fact that this is five guys, Carla sent me a really interesting article the other day. I'll admit, I only read the headline, but it still grabbed my interest. Do you want to tell them about it? Yeah. Um, well, the, the Entourage movie came out last weekend, and... An article came out, I, I believe it was on Slate a few months ago, about how Silicon Valley, an HBO show, is the perfect contrast to Entourage, another uh, guy-centric HBO show. I mean, aside from the obvious, or maybe it is the obvious, <laughs> like, did the article really talk about anything? Well, they said... Um, Entourage takes place in Southern California. It's a very Hollywood-centric show, and it, uh, it, I guess they are kind of, kind of making the argument that Entourage celebrates Hollywood, whereas Silicon Valley, very Northern California, um, themed, or there's a Northern California vibe to it, uh, very different than the portrayal or depiction of L.A. And it's more it's, of a satire. It's a satire of Silicon Valley, yeah. of San Francisco and Northern California. Carla and I actually watched, uh, rewatched the pilot of Silicon Valley last night um, in preparation for recording this, and I realized 
that it's a joke that gets used a lot more in season two, but I saw it was in the pilot too. They keep poking fun at all these startups for claiming that they're making the world a better place. It's pretty funny. It's a hilarious joke, but it's it's so subtle, but it comes up so many times. And they make fun of the fact that everyone rides their bike. Yep. Um, that they have... So they have cameos by like Kid Rock and Flo Rida that come in and that they have at these like really, really like lavish, pump, yeah, lavish parties. parties, but it's attended by all these guys that you can tell are so out of their element. And they have no idea who Flo Rida is. Yeah. They can't even pronounce his name. <laughs> they say Florida. <laughs> they say Florida. And nobody's paying attention to Kid Rock. <laughs> right. Um. There are a lot of very niche jokes in this show a lot that hit uncomfortably close to home for me i'll touch more on that later but i guess to to pivot from our rambling about how much we love this show i kind of wanted to bring in the question like what kind of nerd is this show depicting it's it's a question we've come across a bunch because we've talked about it in relation to other shows that we've watched. I mean, Big Bang Theory, uh, even Flight of the Concords. Yeah, and I think shows like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, where you wouldn't necessarily call them nerds, but they are socially awkward people. Yeah, I think um, just the fact that the show was triggering like these connections or this constellation of shows that that are like uh, Flight of the Concords, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, uh show that's on Netflix, it's a British show, The Inbetweeners, especially, um, and I mean, Big Bang Theory is, a, to me, an example of how to do this wrong. Yeah, um, we're not that big of a fan. Yeah, I don't like that show. But I was I was trying to, like, piece together, like, what is it that connects these shows, and I, I don't know if I would call it nerd culture, per se, but it's definitely this, like, Inbetweener-esque show, social echelon, where... They're... So explain what an in-betweener is for the people who don't know. Yeah, I think an in-betweener, as shown in the show, in-betweener, is kind of, they're not the totally socially ostracized nerds that end up creating almost like a culture of their own or a group or a clique of their own because they're so nerdy. But they're also not the popular the kids. popular kids. It's just like they're kind of these kids that are in between and passing. Like they they have a loose social group, but they recognize. I think the the big difference is that they're self aware as nerds. Like they recognize that they aren't the cool kids, but they're not ignorant enough to to think that they there's nothing wrong with them. Right. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't come across as super judgy, but. Um, yeah, I think the thing that's connecting most of these characters, more so in in maybe Inbetweeners and Silicon Valley, is that they're very in the know. Um, or they there's a lot of self-deprecating jokes, and I think I really like that. The thing about this show is that it also depicts some people that maybe aren't as in the know. There are characters like Ehrlich, who I we were relating a lot to like Dave from Flight of the Concords. Yeah, for those of you who don't know... Ehrlich is is the guy who owns the house where Richard and all the other, you know, nerdy Silicon Valley guys live. He basically owns the incubator and is supporting them as they're launching their own applications or websites. And he he thinks of himself as the cool guy, even though you as the audience 
um, knows he's not. Yeah. Uh, it is very Dave from Flight of the Concords, who is sort of taking the nerds under his wing this, and is acting like a mentor to them. This so-called street savvy, supposedly, best friend who will help them when kids are ripping them off when they're trying to buy Adderall and a bunch of, like, just funny situations. So I think I think that was just, like, an interesting note for me. The fact that it kind of fits within just these funny shows that we like. I mean, maybe this is speaks more to the type of shows that we like than no, it does but the I show. No, but I think if you like shows like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Flight of the Concords, I think you'll definitely find stuff to like in Silicon Valley. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up what I wanted to say about this show. Yeah, same here. Uh, thanks for sticking with our rambling. After the break, we're going to talk about some news items and... Uh, our first official segment called How Do We Feel About This? Great. Okay, it's time for our first and soon-to-be-regular segment called How Do We Feel About This? This is a series documenting our hot takes on the latest pop culture news, and, uh, Iman, what's our first piece of news this week? I actually want to talk about a trailer that you sent me yesterday morning for a movie called The Martian. This is a Ridley Scott movie that's set to come out in November of this year. And for those of you that haven't seen it or don't already know, this is a movie based on a book. Um, some have described it as... Apollo 13 meets Castaway. It's a classic space story slash survival narrative about an astronaut, Mark Watney, who's stranded on Mars after his crew is forced to evacuate. How do I feel about this? I'm feeling pretty mixed. I think with any adaptation project, everyone's tendency is to say, oh, well, the book is always better than the movie. So I feel a little... Um, Hesitant to flat-out critique everything that I saw in this trailer. Do you feel hesitant to get excited about it? I, I do. And that's probably because I loved the book so much. After seeing the trailer, I, I kind of feel like I just want to rush and tell everybody to read the book before they see this movie. The specific things that I'm feeling a little hesitant about aren't so much related to the fact that I've I've read the book. This just looks like a really conventional space movie. As I said, it's starring Matt Damon, who I love. Part of me, uh, specifically referring back to his work in Elysium and even Ridley Scott's recent space movies like uh, Prometheus, for example, it doesn't feel like it's doing anything particularly new. And for anyone that's read The Martian, this isn't really giving anything away, but what I found so new about that sci-fi book was that it was hard science fiction, but it was so funny. Yeah, there are several parts where I would just laugh out loud. It was a hilarious book, and I really liked that the main character, Mark Watney, was this self-deprecating genius that it was just really fun to spend time with him. And when I, I was watching this trailer, I saw just a very conventional jockish astronaut with a wife and kid back home. It wasn't in the book. 
Yeah, he felt like an action star. He felt like a conventional action star. And I think that what was really strong about the book was that it wasn't that story. I, I don't want to keep uh, belaboring the point that the book is better than the movie, uh, especially when I haven't even seen this this movie yet. And I am excited to see it. I, I'm just feeling really... I'm just feeling really conflicted about it, but what are your thoughts on it? I mean, I know you know more about the rest of the casting. Well, I feel like one thing that really excited me about this trailer was the fact that a lot of the scenery looked or appeared to be very much the way I imagined it. Definitely. The hab looked just the, like exactly how I imagined it when I was reading the book. And um Another thing, I knew this movie was coming out, and I knew Matt Damon was going to be playing the lead role, so I kind of was picturing Matt Damon as Mark Watney, but a lot of the other casting choices really surprised me. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty big cast. There's Kristen Wiig, Chiwetel Ejiofor, who else? Uh, Childish Gambino, what's... Yeah, Donald Glover. It's it's a very diverse, and I don't mean like ethnic cast, but even that it is. It's just a very broad range of actors that I would not have imagined seeing together in a movie. So I'm definitely excited about that. But yeah, you said it before. I, I feel hesitant to get really excited about it in the way that I was excited about the book. I guess we can just say we're not surprised much in it but we're still the verdict is still out we're looking forward to to seeing it and finding out more and hopefully doing a, a full episode when we've actually seen the movie I'm really looking forward to seeing what other people think about the trailer especially people that haven't read the book because that's kind of clouding my view of it now but um yeah I know I know you had a a couple pieces of news yeah, speaking of movie adaptations, it looks like Eddie Redmayne is going to be cast as the lead character in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So for those of you that don't know, uh, this is the next the next movie that's coming out uh, related to the Harry Potter universe or Harry Potter franchise. And unlike the other Harry Potter books that presented a very straightforward narrative this movie is based on a textbook that exists within the harry potter universe it's one that i poured over in middle school being the cool kid that i am but uh it's definitely a fun book but i'm interested to see what narrative they end up crafting out of what was essentially a printed like collection of wikipedia entries on weird magical creatures yeah this I think the book felt like, you know how they say Wes Anderson writes the newspaper articles in a newspaper, the prop that's lying around in like the background of a shot? I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised. Well, this seems like, when this was written, this felt very much like that. It was very fan service -y. It's very deep in the Harry Potter universe. So it's exciting in the sense that they can take it anywhere. Yeah. It's still very, it's it's unmolded clay. Exactly. And I think the fact that, I mean, you, the, our bit of news here is that Eddie Redmayne was cast. The fact that this was unmolded clay, my hot take on this, again, feeling a little conflicted. 
It felt like a very safe choice. A very safe choice. I mean, I don't want to be like the Cynical Sisters, which is an alternate name for this segment. Or that's our, that's our other podcast. That's our other podcast where I talk in an Andy Rooney voice the whole time. But yeah, I think Tumblr had kind of been floating around like dream casting with like a Dev Patel, for instance, just some some pretty great a uh, person of color, I guess. How old is Eddie Redmayne? He looks 16. He's probably 27. I don't know. So he's still, I mean, he's relatively young. I'm making this up. But yeah, uh, I think the what I assume the movie is supposed to be about is about this, the writing of the textbook that like Harry Potter fans ultimately receive or within the book, it's the textbook that the kids ultimately receive. But um. Yeah, so I mean, it makes sense for him to be young, but I just think the fact that they're choosing like an Oscar winning, like white actor who's, he seems like a really nice person and he's like fun to watch. It just seems very safe, like you said. Do you think he had to be British? Huh. I mean, that's the legacy that has been laid out by Harry Potter, but it would have been really interesting if he wasn't. I mean, I know that the book starts out in, in New York, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I haven't <laughs> read it. Yeah, it, the author's name is Newt Scamander. I can't, I can't really believe that the character couldn't be British, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the actor could have been. It's, an, it's a really interesting plot. So far, we've given two thumbs down, but we do have one piece of news left that we are going to probably be giving two resounding thumbs up, and this is the Gilmore Girls reunion that happened last Sunday, I believe? Yeah, we're recording this on Tuesday, and the pictures came out on Sunday. Yeah, so how do you feel about this? Uh, it was really exciting to see the cast together. You and I recently rewatched the entire series from beginning to end in what three months? It's like a hundred fifty something episodes. Oh I don't want to admit this, but yeah, we did, and I, I had never seen it. Carla had watched a lot of it. We had fun with it. Yeah, it was and like our a- expectations were low. So to see the cast come together fifteen years after the show initially came out was was pretty interesting to see considering I had the young images of them in my head yeah. so recently. And I think it was it was really timely in the sense that this show was actually just released on Netflix. So it, it was definitely fun to, to see them all. They did some interviews and I think they were kind of hinting at the fact that maybe they'd pursue making a re- uh, like a a reunion season or maybe a movie or something. I don't know. Rumors yeah. like that always start floating around. But, but what would you think about? Uh, I would actually, I, would, I think I'd be all in. I mean, I would be really excited about this. I'd be excited to, to hear the Gilmore guys recap uh, new episodes. Um, we love you, Gilmore guys. Uh, come on our show. But yeah, I mean, I big thumbs up for Gilmore Girls reunion. I never thought I would be saying that, but yeah, it was fun to see Hep Alien, the band back together. Yeah, yeah, I feel like this is 
a segment that's probably going to make no sense to anyone that doesn't know what Gilmore Girls is, but it's up on Netflix. You can watch it. All right. If you're still listening, you're a star. This is Screensaver episode one. And yeah, I'd say that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Anything I say, I was going to say peace, and then I was like, that's going to be really dumb. And now I'm embarrassed to have just admitted that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye.